with me tonight and turn to the New Testament book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And our theme this week, as you know, has been taken from Isaiah chapter 26, verse number 3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Yesterday, the emphasis in the morning meeting and throughout the day was on that perfect peace. Today, the emphasis has been on whose mind is stayed on thee. And I want to speak with God's help tonight on this little thought, the battle for your mind. The battle for your mind. It's one thing to say that your mind needs to be stayed upon Jehovah. But it's another thing to do it. It's another thing to recognize that there is a battle raging for the possession of your mind. We're going to look at this tonight, beginning in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. But before we go any further, let's take a moment to pray and ask the Lord's help. Heavenly Father, we approach thy throne again tonight and recognize that we need thee. We need thee in the hearing of thy word. We need thee, especially in the preaching of it. We need thee in the applying of thy word. We pray that tonight we would know the help of thy Holy Spirit. We pray, Father, that thy word may become living inside of us. We believe that it is quick and powerful. but We pray that tonight it would be especially living and powerful inside of us. Speak to us tonight, we pray, for we ask it in Christ Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, let's read together the first six verses, if you'd like to follow along with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse number 1. Now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am base among you, but being absent am bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present, with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, in bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And we trust that God will bless the reading in the hearing of his word this evening. Twice in our text we find the word war, once in verse number 3, we do not war after the flesh, once in verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare. This is the kind of language that is used in speaking of, of battle, of a fight, of an expedition, a kind of a military expedition. And if you haven't figured out by now that we are in a war, then it's time you figured it out. We are in the midst of a great spiritual war. And Satan would love to make you feel as if all is well 
Satan would love for you to imagine that there is no battle, there is no fight, there is no war, and if he can lull you to sleep with all the attractions of the world, then he has done his part well. But make no mistake about it, you and I are in the midst of a great war, a deadly war. And this battle is so serious that Paul writes in, to the church at Rome that it's a matter of life and death, this battle for your mind. In Romans chapter 8 and verse number 5, Paul writes, And they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. We draw that little connection with our text in Isaiah 26. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. To be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Let me encourage you tonight that if you have been born again by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, then you have been born to win. You haven't been born to lose. Jesus did not redeem you so that you might die on the battlefield, so that you might die trying to win, but he has purchased you and saved you and also at the same time given you victory. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, a very encouraging verse, in verse number 14, if you don't know this verse, then mark it, try to memorize it. Now thanks be unto God which always causeth us to triumph. That's an encouraging verse. Thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph. And so you might then say, why do so many Christians live such defeated lives? If he always causes us to triumph, then why are we so defeated? Well, we haven't read the rest of the verse. The scriptures say, now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. Your hope of victory, the key to triumph in your mind, is in Christ. You will never win the battle in your mind and for your mind outside of Christ. This is not a foreign concept. It's one found over and over in the scriptures, again in Romans chapter 8, we read it a moment ago, at the end of the chapter, a beautiful a series of verses, but in Romans 8 verse 37, nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Through who? Through him that loved us. The hope of your victory is in Christ. If you would like to conquer tonight, to be a conqueror tonight, then it must be found only in Jesus Christ. Again, in Paul's letter, first letter to the Corinthians, in chapter 15 and verse 57, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a direct connection between victory and Jesus Christ. You and I have no victory outside of Christ. And the problem is so many of us are trying, attempting to live this Christian life in the strength of our flesh. And that is where we fail. I want to draw your attention to a few thoughts from our text in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Number one, I want you to recognize our warfare. We do not war after the flesh. We're in a war, but there's a certain way we must war. 
And there's a certain battle that we're fighting. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. So we immediately begin to understand that we are in a war, no doubt about it. We feel that. People who do not know the Lord Jesus today sense that we are in the fight of our life in 2021. People all over the world are unsettled. They understand that we are in a battle of some sorts. Many times they misunderstand it and they think that the battle is with the pharmaceutical companies or the battle is with the the governments or the battle is with Bill Gates and many people have the wrong idea of who the battle is with. The scriptures say our warfare, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We are in a fight, no doubt about it, but our fight is not with men. One of our great mistakes in this life is thinking that our battle is with the one that we look upon. The battle is not with your neighbor. Your enemy is not your husband or your wife. It may feel like it sometimes, but the battle is not with your spouse. The battle is not with Bill Gates or the governments of the world. No, no, no. The battle is with Satan himself. And Paul affirms this in that New Testament book of Ephesians in chapter 6. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, not against humans, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And the verse prior to that says this, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Our great enemy tonight is the God of wickedness, the prince of darkness, the devil himself. And most Christians would at least acknowledge verbally that Satan is their enemy. But I wonder how many days you go through this world acknowledging in your own mind that we have a real enemy. Satan is just as active today as he's ever been before. We find in our text that we are wrestling against principalities, powers, the scriptures say, rulers of the darkness of this world, something deeper and darker, a whole other realm than what can be seen with a naked eye. Spiritual wickedness in high places. You say, there it is, government leaders are the problem. No, 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 there's something behind those who only appear to be puppets. Spiritual wickedness in high places. This is your enemy. And the sooner you and I grasp this, the sooner you can direct your efforts towards the real enemy. My heart has been grieved lately talking with a number of folks who have been struggling with different warfare, different fightings amongst themselves, families fighting, disputes and arguments, physical fightings as well. My heart breaks because they do not recognize that Satan is sitting back laughing with great glee and joy. Imagining... They are imagining themselves to be the enemies while Satan plays one against the other. The battlefield tonight, where the war is being fought, is in your mind. The battlefield today is not somewhere off in the distance, not in in mainland Europe. We once can look back at the history of the wars, fought the world wars, and and, uh, designate a very famous and well-known battlegrounds and battlefields, but the most famous battleground and battlefield today is the one of your mind. And I wonder if you recognize and sense the battle that rages every single day in your mind. The Apostle Paul wrote about it in Romans chapter 7. Do you remember? 
He said, the things I want to do, I just don't seem to be able to do. And the things that uh, I don't want to do, I'm, I'm doing those things. I find in a law in my members that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Because there's an ever-constant battle in the mind. Now, there's a difference between your brain and your mind. And every once in a while, uh, people imagine it's all just a bunch of atoms and all a bunch of chemicals. And, and that's what the modern science world would have you to imagine. You're chemically imbalanced. That's what they'd like to say. Anytime something's not right, they put it down to chemicals, not being correctly balanced. And therefore, the answer of the, of the modern society today is to give you more and more medication in order to stop your anger and in order to stop your problems, in order to stop your, your excessive lust. More and more medication. And that'll take care of all the problems. But they don't recognize that there's a difference between the brain and the mind. Your mind does the thinking and your brain is the object through which your mind works. Kind of like a piano and a pianist, you could say. The pianist uses the piano to express music. Now, we all know that some people have better pianos than others. And so, nonetheless, we each have a brain and a mind. Now, the encouraging thing is, the moment you come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He gives you the mind of Christ. And you have the potential, a new capacity, with which to use your brain. Now, unfortunately, many of us never change. Unfortunately, many people receive the mind of Christ, but never learn how to implement it and use it. And the struggle remains more real than more difficult than it needs to be. Now, this doesn't mean that since you've been born again, that all of your problems fade away and the battles disappear. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, in verse number 3, look at it with me, please. Uh, just, just over on the next chapter. You're fine, but I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now Paul is writing to believers. Christians at Corinth. It's possible for Christians to have their minds corrupted by the subtlety of Satan. It's possible that your minds can be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now that word simplicity means purity, singleness of mind that is in Christ Jesus our Lord and Savior. You might be thinking tonight, well, is it really that big of a deal? The mind, after all, it's just our thoughts, right? And if our thoughts don't get out of hand and we don't begin to act out those thoughts, then it's not that bad at the end of the day, right? No, wrong. Because there's something else you have to recognize, and that is we have a natural built-in weakness that will be with you until the day that you die. And so if you don't recognize that everywhere you go, every moment of the day, no matter how sanctified you imagine your mind to be, there is always ever a weakness with you. And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 in our text, look what he says in verse number 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. But the problem with many of us is this. We walk in the flesh and war in the flesh. We are stuck in this body, trapped in carnality, stuck with the flesh. And therefore, we are in a world of 
fleshly living in a world of ungodliness and we are in it. Now we've often used the expression we're in the world but not of the world. And that's a helpful way to, re to remind ourselves of how we should be. But many believers are in the world and they act like they're of the world. And many of you are in the flesh and Paul says we do not war after the flesh but many of you do. You argue out of the fiery flesh, you get heated up and you respond and react according to the leading and guiding of the flesh. Because you have not been made aware that you have an ever-present weakness. Our minds are part of a broken and corrupt world. We're in it. And we're in it until we die or Jesus returns. Now you remember what we read in Romans chapter 8 a little while ago. I remind you of just how dangerous that kind of a corruption is. How dangerous the flesh is. The scriptures say this, For to be carnally minded is death. We are in the flesh still. We live in a body of flesh. We're connected. Our human nature is still present, although we have been born again and been given God's divine nature. But to be carnally minded, you can choose whether you'll be carnally minded or spiritually minded today. And to be carnally minded is death because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Every man's mind is naturally at odds against God. Everyone. And we are prone. If you don't watch, if your mind is not stayed upon Jehovah, your mind is prone to reverting to that same way of thinking over and over again. Some people imagine, well, there, there it is, I'm done and dusted. Said the prayer, repented of my sins, asked Jesus into my heart. Now I'm a Christian, all is going to be well until the day that I die. Wrong. If you've truly been born again, you now have a new battle that you've never had before. The battle of two natures living within you. The old sin nature and the new divine nature of God. Battling, warring inside of you. Now you might say, well, what is the flesh? What do you mean by the flesh? That word carnal, that word flesh, the same Greek word refers to meat, flesh. Nothing more, nothing less than that. What does it look like? Genesis chapter 6 is a good understanding of it. Let me remind you, lest you imagine that it's not that big of a deal. The mind is not that big of a deal. To think uh, these kinds of a thoughts is not that big of a deal. To be carnally minded is really not that bad as long as I don't begin to behave that way. But I remind you that the entire world was flooded and destroyed because of a carnally minded society and civilization. Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth. I wonder if you were to do a little evaluation about your own thoughts, about your own mind, about your own heart tonight, would you end up with the kind of results that God saw in the world in the days of Noah, wickedness of man, every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, one evil thought after the other. 
hardly any respite, hardly any break between one evil thought and the next. Was that the condition of your mind? And the entire civilization was destroyed because of it. Minds are being more and more corrupted with each day. Some people imagine, well, if I, if I just try to do the right thing, then hopefully that'll sort all of my problems out. But do you recognize that all around you, people's minds, perhaps even yours, minds are being corrupted one day at a time? And more so today than ever before. We have more corruption at our fingertips now than humanity has ever had before. In 2019, a, a survey was taken on how much screen time do teenagers in the Western world receive. Can you guess how much time teenagers spend looking at a mobile phone or some sort of a computer screen or television screen? Seven hours and 22 minutes a day on average. That was before COVID-19. Think with me for just a moment how much corruption and darkness is entering into the gates of the eye and the gates of the ear every single day, hour after hour after hour. And our minds are becoming more and more corrupted, darker and darker. And no wonder you're struggling in your mind when you're allowing such filth to flood in through the gates every single day. Hours of exposure to darkness. Hours of exposure to ungodliness. In 2019, the, the, uh, the statistics of uh, teen suicide were up 67%. And they say that amongst young ladies from the age of 10 to 24, Suicide rates were up 94% in the Western world. And I remind you, to be carnally minded is death. When you fill your mind with the rubbish of the world, the result is only death. When you allow in hour after hour, moment after moment, corruption and darkness from this world, then the result is only death and destruction. James writes about this in, in his in his book of the Bible, in his letter, and he spoke about friendship, uh, being a friend with the world is a sure sign of being an enemy with God. James 4 and verse 4, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. What's the big Deal, what's the problem with watching television? And what's the problem with watching YouTube channels? They're not necessarily bad things that I'm watching. What's the problem? Friendship with the world is the problem. Friendship with the world is certain enmity with God. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Satan longs to get into your mind and into your heart and flood the, the very recesses of your mind with evil thoughts and dark thoughts of doubts and fears and uncertainty, uncertainties because as you think in your heart, so are you. And if your mind begins to be changed and molded and shaped by the things of this world, then very soon your life is molded and shaped by the things of this world. Our minds must be stayed, kept upon Jehovah. Okay, 
But how? How? How do I change my thinking? By the way, if you can change your thinking, you can change your behavior. If you can change your mind, then you can thus change the way that you live. The scriptures give us the answer. I'm thankful. All the answers to life's problems are found within God's word. What are our weapons? I know someone once said education. That's the answer. Uh, education. More schools and universities and training programs and more, more opportunities on the internet. Can I tell you today that we have more educational opportunities today than ever before. And the mind is more wicked today than ever before. A friend of mine who was struggling with alcohol, with drunkenness for years and years, spent most of his life in adult life, in and out of rehabs. And he said to me, the rehabs never did anything. I went in a dumb drunk and come out a sophisticated alcoholic. No change at all. Oh, I was educated. I learned. My mind was broadened. But nothing was changed. We have more educational institutions, more educational programs, uh, more people are able to be educated today than ever before, and yet we have more wickedness, more opportunities of wickedness than ever before. And somebody else piped up and said, legislation, that's the key to changing our minds. The truth is you cannot make people do right. Something I often say in the city center uh, whilst preaching is this, you cannot legislate the minds and morality of humanity. Here we are in 2021 and still struggling with racism. Old laws have been made and it's illegal to, uh, to have own slaves, own people as a part of your property, but yet still racism lives deep in the heart of humanity because you cannot legislate it. You can't make people be good. You can't make people change. Well, you said, okay, uh, location. That's the answer, right? I'll just move to a monastery some way. Let's all move to a country where nobody's living and, and uh, then everything will be okay. But the problem is where you move, the problems come with you because the battlefield is in your mind, not in a country. And the world, by the way, is trying all of these things. Education and legislation and location. Trying, very ironic and ironic thought, by the way, is the world says that Christianity brainwashes its followers. Have you heard that before? You Christians are all a bunch of brainwashed nincompoots. And you just all are hearing the same thing over and over and over again. And they're brainwashing you to, to believe all of these things and to do all of these things. But it's an interesting thing when you begin to look at the way the world is operating. The world system is constantly pushing its agenda down our children's throats at a very early age all the way up to university age. Under the name, under the guise of education. Forcing us to get with the times by legislating its agenda. Interesting thought, isn't it? Following the pattern of previous corrupt governments whose minds have been corrupted and beguiled by Satan himself. No, education is not the answer. Legislation isn't. Your location, where you live is not the answer. No, no, no. You see, the interesting thing is the problem lies inside of us as our text tells us. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, 
casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. You see, the problem is we have allowed strongholds to be built in our mind. We have allowed imaginations to be exalted in our mind. And so no matter where you go, and no matter what laws are passed, and no matter how much education you receive, those strongholds are still there, those towers and fortresses are still there, and there are those thoughts hiding in sophisticated towers of reason. And this is where we must begin. How do we change? How do we have our minds stayed upon Jehovah? Let me ask you tonight, what fortresses have been built up in your mind? What barriers, what walls are protecting foolish, carnal thoughts, allowing you to continue in your thinking and thus continue in your ways because you refuse to have those fortresses torn down? What about towers of reason, human reasoning, where you have allowed doubts and fears to be housed? It's an interesting thought. I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard uh, uh, one time that at a certain mental institution that when they were trying to determine whether someone was ready to be released, they would put them in a room and put a, a room with a, with a sink on, in it and turn the tap on and, and uh, allow the sink to overflow and flood the room. They would hand the patient a mop and they would tell them to clean up the room. And the way they would determine whether or not that patient was ready to leave was whether they turned off the tap first before they began to mop up the mess. And there are many believers today trying to mop up the mess without turning off the tap. I wonder today what taps are running that need to be turned off. How do we deal with these things? Well, we've been given weapons. And the greatest weapon you and I have is the person of Jesus Christ. Christ. How do we win the battle? You don't. Jesus does. He already has. He's given us the victory. He is victorious. I remind you of that little verse, chapter 2 and verse number 14, but thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. You have victory in Him already. The problem is when we step outside of Christ and try to do it in our own strength and our own efforts, Instead of resting in the Savior. Instead of, as Paul said, being crucified. For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Christ is the greatest weapon that we have. A mind stayed upon Christ. A mind that is kept upon Him. Thinking of who Jesus is. Thinking of His greatness, of His power. Through every trial, through every difficulty. In the face of every decision. Having that mind of Christ. Now, verse number 7 of our text says this, Do ye look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trusts to himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so are we Christ. We belong to Christ. You belong to the victor. You belong to the one who's already won. And I wonder if you live acknowledging that. Something else that we're, we are given as a weapon. The scriptures tell us in verse number 8 of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority. The Apostle Paul had a measure of authority 
By the way, that authority is something granted by Christ. And you might say, well, he was an apostle. Yes, he was indeed, and, and had a certain measure of authority that none of us have. But every believer also has a measure of authority given by Christ. Authority is nothing more than the extension of power from one individual to the next. And Christ has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. All that you need has been given unto you at the hand of Jesus Christ. Authority to cast down. Look what it says. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Some of you have been trying your whole life in the power of the flesh to tear down those strongholds in your mind. Why not use the power and the authority of Jesus Christ? Jesus, the name high over all, we sing that beautiful Wesley hymn. The name at which demons flee. And oftentimes, you remember that little story, I, can, I think often of that story in the New Testament when there were certain men trying to cast out devils and, and uh, they said, uh, we adjure thee in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. Come out of him. They were trying to cast out a devil. And the devil said, Jesus we know, and Paul we know, but who are you? Trying in their own effort, trying in their own ways, in their own abilities. But we have the authority of Christ, the authority of the everlasting Savior. Let me give you some other encouraging, helpful thoughts. I remind you that condition of Isaiah 26 that we heard about this morning and again last night. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. You must keep your mind engaged with the things of Christ if you expect to have victory. Ephesians chapter 4. Let me give you a couple of verses in closing. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 17 says this. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Emptiness. The whole world is, is following and living in an empty state of mind. Not thinking at all. We're living in a generation where people are no longer thinking. They're doing whatever they're told. They're saying whatever they're told to say. Going wherever they're told to go. Nobody's thinking anymore. The vanity of their mind. Having the understanding darkened. Being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. And Paul writes in another place, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. Their minds are blinded, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Let me stop there for a moment. You should be different. You should be learning Christ. You should be hearing Him. You should be taught by Him. You should be having the truth of Christ in you that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You and I must have our minds renewed, changed. Romans chapter 12, that famous passage says the same thing, just the first two verses. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
A lot of our problem begins with this. We are so conformed to this world. Our thinking is like this world. Our behavior is like this world. We view life like the world views life. We view our housing situation like the world views our housing situation. We view automobiles and clothing and status and power like the world does. But the scriptures say that the Christian life is diametrically opposed to the way of the world. So do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, changed. And the only way you'll ever be changed is by the renewing of your mind. What a thought. And by the way, that starts when you present your body as a living sacrifice. I wonder, have you done that? Paul writes to the church at Philippi, writing from house arrest, from prison, many believe. And he tells them some very challenging words, challenging to us today. Encouraging as well and helpful, but he says in Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 6, he says this, be careful for nothing. Stop worrying. I wonder how many of you are plagued with worry in your mind. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Our number one failure, somebody once said, all of our failures are prayer failures. Our mind isn't what it ought to be because we don't pray. It begins with prayer, and then it says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds. You forfeit having a heart and mind kept when you don't pray. And then it says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Stop thinking about the coronavirus. Stop thinking about the world economic crisis. Stop thinking about all of these problems and put your mind on those things that have just been listed. So many of us let our minds run thinking about problems and worrying about things that could possibly potentially happen and what are we going to do next and how are we going to pay for that and where are we going to live and all of these things our mind runs 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 races 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 and Paul said no 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 think about things that are true and honest and and just and pure and lovely and of a good report and virtuous think about those things and then your mind will begin to change one last little thought in closing. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, a very interesting expression, and Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones preached a sermon from this text. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Get your minds ready, prepared. Have your mind on guard. Be sober. The very next word says there, be sober and hope to the end. Would you like to change your mind? Well, gird up the loins of your mind. Uh, remove all the distractions from your mind. And prepare your mind. Look what it says. Be sober. Be serious-minded. Be not affected by any other influence. That's what it means to be sober. If you are drunken, you're no longer sober. Because alcohol has affected you. So remove all those things that would affect your mind. And be sober. Clear thinking. Gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope 
to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. One thing that will help keep your mind stayed upon Jehovah is looking unto Jesus and his soon return. Jesus is coming again. So gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Be vigilant. Be ready for the return of Jesus. Solomon writes in Proverbs, Keep thy heart with all diligence. Guard it, for out of it are the issues of life. Scripture say it over and over and over again. The New Testament says over and over again, Be of one mind. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Be like-minded over and over again. But it's interesting, if you read the book of Revelation, you'll find as well that the world is of one mind. And it looks like the world has many different directions and many different ways and many different avenues and many different minds. But the truth is, the world is all of one mind and that mind is the mind of Antichrist. And you and I, as children of the living God, must be of one mind having a mind stayed upon Jehovah. The scriptures say this, be not soon shaken in mind. There have been a lot of believers over the last nine months who have been shaken in mind. They've begun to waver, professing believers. The scriptures speak about such people. It says, in the last days, that day shall not come except there first be a great falling away. The only way to ensure you don't fall away are not a part of that. Number one is by knowing Christ as your Lord and Savior and having a mind that has stayed on Him. I wonder tonight, is your mind kept? This week the emphasis has been on keeping our minds fixed on Christ. And that is the only way to live, especially in this dark age. Remove all distractions and set your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Father, we thank Thee that we have the victory in Christ. We say, as Paul once said, thanks be unto Thee that's causeth us always to triumph in Christ. We thank Thee that there is victory, triumph. We are more than conquerors in Christ. But Father, help us to recognize that we must die to our flesh. Help us to recognize the weakness of our flesh. Help us to recognize we've been given and granted great authority in Christ. And may we begin to live and operate out of that authority. We thank Thee that all that is needed has been granted unto us. Help us to fix our minds upon Thee. Help us to be renewed day by day. Though our outward man perish, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. Help us, I pray. Help each one of thy children to keep their minds fixed upon the Savior. For we ask it in Christ Jesus' name.